Okay, welcome to episode 23 of That's What I'm Saying, the podcast about hip-hop, entertainment, dating, relationships, sex, and social issues from a sometimes ratchet but mostly woke perspective. So, subscribe to That's What I'm Saying, the podcast. We're in iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, CastBot. I'm Sean. I'm Nye. What's up, y'all? So, what are we calling this episode, Nye? This is the clapback episode. The clapback, because we got a clapback for your clapback, yo. Niggas is clapping back. <laughs> All right, so starting it off, who who gets the clapback? All right, so we're going to kick this off with Lauren Hill versus Robert Glasper. And it'll be so simple. <laughs> Lauren Hill versus the world. <laughs> you rather make it hard. You know what I'm saying? So last month, uh, Robert Glasper, who's. Um, He's like a jazz a pianist, a jazz pianist musician. So he's in that world. Um, but he also works with hip hop artists too. But anyway, is what's he, the twenty five twenty? No, he's black as shit. Oh, okay. No, he's black. And he, he's no, he's black. So anyway, so um, he appeared on a um, Mad Hatter morning show, which is a morning show. I think it's down in Texas somewhere. But he accused Lauren of stealing her mu- music for her acclaimed album *Miseducation of Lauren Hill*, which we we know about she's been in law you know they sued her for it she paid out a settlement i believe um so we we knew about that but um he just kind of went in on her like kind of hard you know talking about how she treats the members of her band really unfairly she doesn't pay them she fires them like while while she's on tour she'll have like rehearsals for new band members in like the lobby of a hotel doing the middle of the tour um <laughs> The rule, a strict rule where you you can't you can't look Miss Hill in the eye. I heard about that. Look her in the eye. I mean, because sometimes it's a dark place. It's a sunk place. <laughs> it might be the best advice she gives you. You know what I'm saying? So, um, so he just you know just kind of really went in on her um, and said you know she really hasn't really accomplished anything really to act like that because when you think about it, she really only has one good album. Um, well, I thought she really only has one album, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. What other album does she has she a full out, album? She came out with like an acoustic album. It was from a um an appearance she did. You remember when MTV used to have those? I um, remember, but that was but there was no what what, what was, full I, album does she have after Miseducation? Okay, so hold on. So she has. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Clap back. But she has that. I mean, it's not an out al- like a studio album, but it is a right. made into an album. So she only has those two things. And really, that second one, I watched it live when on TV, and I'm like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> when she when she got she looked like a clown, like she literally like dressed up, well, no, with the bow and all of that. She had like a, like a baseball cap on, and she's just kind of sitting there and playing her guitar and singing over the guitar. But she's singing and she's crying, and it's to me it was incoherent. And it was like I don't know what the hell. And the thing is, the funny thing is, back then people were just like, "I love that album. I loved it. I love." I'm like, "Are you serious? This is weird." <laughs> It's trash. You know, you know, you people get into these little things where if certain people do things and it's all cool and you deep and you perspective mm-hmm. and a lot of motherfuckers don't want to be like, this shit is weird. What are you talking about? Like it doesn't <laughs> it's it's not it's not making sense. I mean, you know, to be honest, I always felt like Lauren Hill has a mental health issue that sometimes is addressed and sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it goes beyond whether they call it, you know, her 
it's her bitchiness. It's you know her the the black woman thing. I I just think it's a, it's deeper than that. So she goes to her things. I mean, remember she went she went away for the tax evade. She went away for tax evasion. Um, was it three months? I think she was sentenced to like three years, but she only served three months. Mm-hmm. But her closing statement, you know, before she was going away and get locked up, to me was just it was a rambling and it was so indicative of somebody who um, is not you know giving the utmost care to their mental health. I really was bipolar, to be honest. Just looking. Yeah, at- I was trying to say that without saying it because I'm not a doctor. I didn't want to. I didn't want to diagnose her, but I'm a doctor. I can. I can. The thing. The funny thing is, so just a little back history. I used to work at this this private college in Baltimore, and I used to work in a psychology department. Well, um, and so a lot of students would come in, and we would talk, and like they go on to school, and I would, I could really diagnose it without. Like stuff that they were they were going through, like cases they were studying and and school we would talk about, and I'm like, I think that person has X, Y, and Z, and you're like, you know what, you're right. So mm-hmm. I maybe because I don't know where this <laughs> comes from. Maybe I'm a little crazy, so I can just recognize crazy. But I don't <laughs> think she's bipolar. I I think she is. Yeah. Bipolar. Yeah. She may come from that space where she doesn't want to get help. She doesn't want to take medicine. She doesn't. She and she may be doing this, but it just from outside looking in, it looks like she's not taking care of her mental health. There you go. You you said what I said. I was trying to say it in the nicest way possible, but um, I think I think we said it. That's that's what it looks like. She responded in this long ass fucking essay. There you go. I read it and I was like, okay. She rambled on a lot in it, but she really just confirmed everything he said. So I'm like, sis, did you really need to write this? Because (laughs) you just confirmed everything he said. Clean name. (laughs) What you trying to do? You can waste like two hours of your time. Writing this out. Oh, Lauren. I mean, it could be all simple then, but you'd rather make it hard. Yeah, and you know what? Truth be told, Lauren really could. I mean, she could really ride this legacy off of this album for like the re- she could for the rest of her life. She really could. Oh, she get her shit together. Get her shit together because I think I've seen Lauren twice. After the second time, I was like, I can't do it. I saw her um, years ago at a. Uh, mm-hmm. Rock the Bells in D.C. And I was so, we were all so hyped for her to come out. It, it was, was I there? I'm, I feel like I, wherever I was to see her, either she didn't show up or it was like hours later. Yeah, she, she nobody came was on, was hours later. And, this, you know, she came on and she getting her band again. I'm getting so excited because I hadn't seen, you know, she really hadn't performed uh, Miss Education since it came out. So I'm excited to see her. And girl, it was like. It was all sped up. It was on different beats. It was different music. It was just all completely. I couldn't even recognize what she was singing. Girl, I, I, mm. I wanted to boo her, and I kind of low key did boo her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mad. I'm mad. I'd like sit here, sat here, and waited for her to come out. Mm, and then I she saw gotcha. Her. She's like, gotcha, bitch. I saw her a second time. I was going to give her another chance. And I feel like, actually, no, three times. This. Second time, I think she let me down. But mm-hmm. the third time, she performed at Afropunk a couple years ago. And that actually was a pretty decent concert. She did pretty good there. I mm-hmm. wasn't mad. I wasn't, like, overly excited, but I wasn't mad at her performance. So she kind of... Right. But I, I would not go out and, and pay... If she's a part of a, a, a lineup that I'm, I want to go see, I'll go see, you know, I'll buy the tickets. But if it's just her, no. Good. I'm good, love, and joy. <laughs> All right. Okay. So moving that that's some ratchet. So um I wanted to talk about 
the whole thing with Jeffrey Owens is kind of ratchet, but it ends up being kind of woke. So I kind of like that. So remember Jeffrey Owens, who he played Elvin Thibodeau, or that was Sandra's boyfriend on the Cosby show back in the day. I will say that when he was on the show, I did not care for him. I thought he was so corny. Um, but so. And truth was, so, kind of everybody on the Cosby show was corny when you think about it. But pretty it was, much. Yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty much. Um, I don't know. He just, he exceeded corny to me. Ooh, but anyway, ooh, chow. Um, So it was discovered that he was working um, at a Trader Joe's in Clifton, New Jersey, which I happen to know exactly where that's at so um and someone this woman named karma it's very funny how her name was karma how karmic she took a picture and posted it um of him looks like bagging groceries and the picture became viral and so there was this whole round actually i think it was it was another news outlet that picked up the story but then fox news kind of did this whole job shaming and ran with it so um Mr. Owens appeared on Good Morning America, and he basically explained that he decided to work at Trader Joe's um, because he, and he's been working there for almost like a year and a half. And he did it because, you know, just like any man who needs to support his family, he needed to make ends meet. Um, uh, and he, he even like wore the little red badge from um, Trader Joe's during the interview. So, you know, it, it's just funny to me that at the time when this was this all happened around Labor Day, it's funny how during this holiday when we should be acknowledging people who do this sort of thing, mm -hmm. um, that there was a whole round of shaming him and um, just, you know, just I it was it was disgusting how little ratchet Fox News kind of uh, held the story. Mm -hmm. But how I saw this, this was actually, that setback was a setup for a blessing because he just got so much support on online, apart from the, the, the shamers, but, you know, celebrities came out to support him, like Terry Crews and Blair Underwood, you know, all kind of talking about, you know, what happens, you know, everybody doesn't go from job to job, especially in acting. Um, and, yeah. you know, like he, what, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and that's, you know, a lot of people who are pursuing like passion careers, um, sometimes you have to like, when that, when that passion career isn't paying the bills, you have to go and get like a regular schmegular job. They kind of make ends meet. A lot of people do it. Actors do it. Singers do it. Oh yes. Yeah. So or work a regular schmegular job as you're, you know, pursuing your passion. My sister Shatara, the comedian, she does it. I mean, you know, apart from touring and, and telling jokes, you know, you, you got to keep your nine to five until it, it jumps off like that. But nothing wrong. And, and there should be no shame in supporting yourself and supporting your family as you are living out your dreams and your passions. Yeah. You know, I mean, like he, he said, he said, you know, I've been teaching, um, acting, directing for over 30 years. But it got to the point where those jobs were not enough to sustain his family. And I know he said he has, you know, wife and kids. So, you and know, he, he said... What probably affected him as well is, you know, when Cosby, um, Cosby show was taken off air, you know, he wasn't getting that. Yeah, his royalty tax probably, you know, because look at the in line. He said, I've been working there for 15 months and this kind of all jumped off within the last year and a half. So, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, but to throw this man under the bus was just the most ratchetest thing. Um, but I, like I said, it was basically a setup, uh, you know, for a blessing because even Tyler Perry came forward and offered him a job on one of them little ratchet shows Tyler Perry does on TV. So it, it ended up being a good thing. What'd you say? Nicki Minaj's, um, I read that she's given him $10,000. Okay. Yeah. So I, you know, I appreciate nothing more than a black man working.
Mm-hmm. You know, you whatever you gotta do, how you do it, long as you know you're not breaking any laws and you're doing it honestly. I, you know, the man was out here making an honest living. You yeah. cannot. You know, you if he was doing that. something else, if he was out here panhandling or if he was stealing or got caught doing a credit card scam or something, Fox News would have took that and ran with that too. Like, you can't mm-hmm. win with these people. Yep. So. But good luck, Jeffrey Owens, because it looked like this has kind of opened doors for him. You know, he he did go on Good Morning America, and I was like, yo, bro, you got to stop with all of that. Because he said I didn't, he didn't want the, um, you know, added, uh, you know, spotlight to cause him to get, you know, jobs. He wanted to get him fair and square. And I'm like, look, however the opportunity, however the door is open for you, you better walk through it. That was my two cents. Like, come on now, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, you sitting here talking about you wouldn't take a job. Well, he just did, though, so. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Boom, boom. Yes. All right, so moving on, what we got? So, oh, Lord, okay. Oh. So mm-hmm. last night, um, Instagram was set afire again. <laughs> Nas <laughs> versus Khalees. Nas clapped back at Khalees. So, oh, Lord. So, like a few months ago, um, Khalees um, did an interview on um, hip uh, Hollywood. I forget the name of that show. Anyway, the... Um, some online uh, talk show. So she did a whole hour long interview talking about the relationship she and Nas had and how dysfunctional it was and how Nas didn't pay child support and how he doesn't care for his son. And she went on and how they had, you know, physical altercations. You know, she said they would fight each other. He fought her, she fought him. Um, and so just kind of really painted a picture of, uh, of their relationship, which I really didn't know anything about, but um, yeah. So she painted a really negative picture of him. Um, and of their relationship. So she told, she told her side of the story. And so Nas came back and uh, on Instagram. And I guess it was like, how many? One, two, three, four, five, six. Like six or seven posts, lengthy posts about his version of what happened. So, and I'm, I'm pretty sure the truth is somewhere in the middle. Um, I believe a lot of what Khalid says. I believe some of what he says too. Um, I'm giving a side eye a little bit to some of the stuff that he said. Um, cause you know, it's funny because after I read this, I just finished watching the Bobby Brown special. I gotta watch that. Yeah. Good. Good. Okay. Like, I see that. These men telling their sides of the story, trying to make themselves seem like saints. And you know, Bobby Brown is a saint, but, um, I ain't saying he's the devil, but you know, he didn't did his dirt. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so, um, I'm not gonna really get into, you know, everything Nas says, but one thing that he did say that I, I just, it made me cringe. Mm-hmm. Said, um, overall, there were too many good times. Um, I, I said I wasn't the most faithful husband. I was immature. I'm sorry about that. Mm-hmm. But you bumped your own head, sis. I don't know what that means. What, what, wait, what, why did you take offense to that particular line? Because, because to me, that line, you know how what men say, this woman is crazy. This woman crazy. She did X, Y, and Z, and she's crazy. She out of her mind. But they mm-hmm. don't really say what you did to her to make her act this way. She's reacting to something that you did. And right. Said that it just kind of put me in the feeling that, you know, he he's saying that he did all that stuff, and but it's like you know she's reacting to it, and it's her her own fault. Is what it what he right what it seems mm-hmm. like in that. Mm-hmm. And which that- is which is you know it's the. I, I mean, I could go on for days about this, but I'm not. Um, but you know that's the hallmark of an abuser is the blame shifting. Mm-hmm. 
one thing that she said to me, you know, in her interview was like, we both did things. She, you know, was very clear about, no, she wasn't a, um, you know, she wasn't a passive, I'm gonna sit there and I'm gonna take all of this. She's like, you know, we, I, we fought it, you know, I'm, I, I did clap back. She, mm-hmm. she made that very clear. Um, I think the issue, and I read his seven part rant on, um, Instagram, mm-hmm. um, at times it was it was well thought out. You know, I'm I'm listening and you know, and obviously it's his version of the story. And like you said, between the two stories, there is there there is the truth. It's his version of it. But what I think is very glaring, and this is this is me speaking as a a, a woman who was married to an abuser who will to this day never say that he ever put his hands on me. He will never admit it. He will never say it. He'll never, it'll, it'll never come out of his mouth. But the way that he formulates to say that I am not an abuser and I didn't beat you up to me because I've heard that before means we're not, whatever I did to you, we're not going to call it that I, that I beat you up and that I abused you but there's something there that that's just what I got from it when I'm reading his and I'm like, okay, cause he, you know, he doesn't say, you know, I sucker punched you or and he's never going to say that. Right. But let's keep it real, you know, because the, her version of the story was, you know, how she wasn't able to go outside because her face looked a certain way because his temper and how he would kind of buy her with bags or like gifts, mm-hmm. you know, after apologizing because his temper flared up. I, you know, I've been there and I know how believable that is. And that man will never admit that. He'll admit that I did some, and, and, and this is his way of um, kind of justifying what he says is, you know, I wasn't faithful. You know, I, I made mistakes and that's cool. And that's, that's enough for them. That's enough to say is this is about as much blame as I'm going to take for my actions. Mm-hmm. But all that other stuff, Let's put, we're gonna pretend like you're crazy, sis, and like you said, you didn't bump your head because that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And between the two of those sides is the is the truth. But I'm I definitely gave his seven um his seven post rant mm-hmm. a side eye just in reading it because I said nowhere in there did he ever admit. You know, come on now, you, you put your hands on her. Maybe you're not looking at it as abuse, and you're not looking at it as you know I I I I punched you, I beat you up. Mm-hmm. But there's something. Yeah, maybe, there. you know, I don't know what their altercations were, but maybe he didn't close fist head, you know, close fist hit her, but maybe you slapped her or pinched her or pushed her or did something, her or squeezed her or pushed her. You you did some shit. Mm-hmm. I remember my ex husband used to say that if he wanted to really hurt me, in other words, as, as big as he is and as you know, the strength that he has, if he really wanted to hurt me, it would show. And, you know, I basically, I wouldn't be around, I guess, to talk about it. Mm-hmm. So it was his way of saying, I, I exercise constraint mm-hmm. <laughs> because I am beat you up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just, I might've hit you, but I, I didn't, I didn't use a closed fist. Right. Oh, like, oh, oh, thank you. <laughs> Jeez. Thanks. Right. Basically I, I saved you. I, I saved you for some, from some real abuse. So I, you know, and that's I'm reading Nas's thing. And that's what I hear all through that. Like, I just, I just, I just hate that this is like, um, this is like made public. You know, I just, I wonder they have a, they have a son, and the son is looking at the mother, and the son is looking at you know Nas, and I think you know best case scenario if the if your relationship doesn't work out, you know, be 
good co-parents because you want your kid to be a, a functioning, a well-functioning adult. You know, if they're saying that these two, these two people who created me can't get along, how is he going to have a successful relationship? What is he going to um, have as as an example? You know, so it's really it's, it's sad. I hate to see you know parents feuding over over stuff because it, it's really emotions. It's really a lot of hurt. Um, each other, they're not listening to each other. You know, everyone w- wants to get their point across. Right. And, you know, the, you know their kid. Uh, what's his name? Um, is it King? Majesty something. What is it? <laughs> Knight. Knight. No, I was close. Sir. <laughs> Bishop. <laughs> um, you know, he's a cute. You know, he's a cute little boy. You know, yeah. Him. You know, give him a chance. Give him a chance. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear you. And I, I, I do feel, you know, but I, I, I'm I'm a little torn because I do feel like, you know, I felt her when she said, I just, I got to speak my truth. Like all this stuff, no one ever knew. We were all, you she- know, with our jaws dropped and like, you for real? Because it, it doesn't sound, it sounded so off the wall mm-hmm. because it took so, you know, but speak, I do believe in speaking your truth because that's a part of closure and that is a part of moving on. So I, you know, it's, it's, it's a tragedy because there is a child in the middle of this. And, you know, I think Nas said it, you know, he sees that he sees everything. He's very intelligent. He's going to figure it out. And that's the sad part of of it. But at the same time, this is life. And I think if you, you are of the mode where you, you know, you want to move on, but you can't, you can't, you can't move on to the next level of your life unless you deal with the, the things, the stuff, you know, that, that created, you know, the angst and, and, and those feelings, you, you got to deal with a certain way, whether this is, it's, you know, it's, it's cathartic to get it out. I understand that, you know, where keeping it in is like, it festers and it's like a cancer. So getting it out, you know, not that it's, you don't have to be a broken record and keep repeating it. I don't think she's on this tour of, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to keep telling the story. But there is some value in getting it out. And that's the same thing for Nas. It is, there's value in getting your side out. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's 100% true or not, the fact that he did it, I, I, I even commend him for that. Because it, it needs to be said. It needs to, it needs to be out. So now that it's out, I'm, like the same thing. I hope at the end of the day, they can co-parent, you know, be the greatest co-parents ever. But even that can be difficult, you know, when you have this legacy of, of pain and heartache behind you, you know, you still got to deal with that. So, Ooh, it's just ratchet. Yeah, ratchet. Mm-hmm. You know, all right. All right. Moving on. What we got? Where, where are we at now? We're at the woke minutes. All right. So, um, Colin Kaepernick is having a very, very good week. That is my boo forever. Oh, so, um, a few months ago, we talked about Colin requesting um, a subpoena for Donald Trump in his collusion case against the, the NFL League and the team owners. Mm-hmm. So this past week, the league and the NFL Players Association appointed arbitrator has rejected the Roger Goodall-led organization's attempt yeah. to have Kaepernick's case dismissed. Yeah, so go it goes forward. That's right. right. So Roger Goodall is the current commissioner of the NFL. Um, so this is, this is huge for him because we all know he's been blackballed. They won't say it, but you know, I don't really follow football, but I do know, you know, I don't think he's, he was like the best player, but he is a a decent player. So he should have gotten picked up by a team. 
Absolutely. It, it was it was his mouth and his actions that caused him not to have a job in the last what um four years? Yeah. Three years? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So that happened for him. So that was that was awesome. But then um, you know, a couple days later, um, we found out that Nike for Nike's 30th anniversary, they chose Colin as one of the faces for their anniversary of the Justice. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah, so he had a he's had a major payday. So the years he wasn't getting paid, Nike made up for it. So Nike, I mean, Colin oh. has been with Nike since 2011. Um, and some other athletes that were also featured were Odell Beckham, uh, skateboarder Lacey Baker, who I don't know who that is, um, Seattle Seahawks linebacker Shaquem Griffith, and also um, the tennis player uh, Serena Williams. Oh, did I tell you I went to the U.S. Open? You did. Yes, girl. We've been. Mm. It, was, it was amazing. <laughs> Sorry, this is a sidetrack. It was. Where was a, it at? Where was it? It was in Queens. It happens in Queens. So um, I went and I got tickets for two different days. I wasn't sure how it worked. So I got to see Venus during the day. Then come to find out that Serena was playing that night and neither one of them were pay- playing the next day. So I sold the next day tickets and bought a ticket for that night. So I sold both of <laughs> them playing. Girl, it, go, was, girl. it was surreal watching them. I just felt like it was just black girl magic. It was just- Oh, I wish I was there. I love that you went. We gotta we gotta put some pictures up. Um, you know what? I, I um I had pretty good seats. Um, but it's like I didn't really get that good pictures. I got like some little snippets or whatever. But um, yeah, I had a great time. It was I was good. literally for twelve hours outside. It was hot as shit outside. Like, oh, the- I know it was. Okay, so I just wanted to go back because you were talking about Shaquem Griffin, but you know he is the Seahawks, but he's the NFL player that doesn't have a hand. Like he lost. Oh. One of his- okay. So that's one of his hands, but um, that's well, that it's such an inspirational story in and of itself. So, okay, so what are you saying? So, so Colin, also, uh, so yeah, so Nike VP um, of brand, vice president of brand of North America, Gino Fascinati, stated, We believe Colin is the most in- inspirational athlete of this generation. Yes, leverage the power of sport to help move the world forward. So, um, I don't, this is this happened a you know, a few, maybe like last week. So I was just really waiting for 45 to have a fucking me- meltdown on Twitter. You know what happened? Because wait, because you know, you know, it was ratchet afterward. When that, when Nike came out, first of all, I just want to say how proud I was. I mean, I'm a Nike wearer, but when I tell you, I went over here to the outlet mall and I bought <laughs> some more Nikes. I even wore some Nike gear, which I don't have a lot of. I was just I was so proud of that, you know, whether it was a marketing strategy, you know, to the 10th degree, however, it was, it was such a monumental decision. It is monumental because, you know, they look at their finance, you know, they look at the bottom line and see how, what a financial gain it would be. But, you know, this kind of thing, image is everything, you know, so just them standing behind him, just, they're on the right side of history. And it's just, it just, um, you know, just pushes support behind Colin, you know, and now that you see that they've done it, other major companies are also getting. Yeah. I mean, and what, what, I mean, this is Nike. So like everybody else can fall in line. I mean, how do you, how do you get bigger than Nike (laughs) after this? So, I I mean, I'm just loving it, but you know, there was a lot of 2520s and others that were just burning with rage that this even happened. You know, people were really upset and started setting fire to their sneakers and their sportswear in protest of this whole thing, which is funny because, I mean, 
Nike and nobody should give a damn about anybody destroying goods that they already Girl, bought with their don't money. Care about them fucking thirty dollars Nikes you got out the outlet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, but it, it got so crazy. Like they were using the hashtag "just burn it," right. you know, the whole thing on just uh, just do it. Boycott Nike. Um, video where the man set his shoes on fire while he was still wearing them. I saw that, but then he said that it was satire or didn't what, whatever. Like this, but that's the stupidity um, mm-hmm. that this whole thing is bringing out. And it honestly, it's it's showing. Look, it's this is there's such a dividing line on this issue. You know, people are really showing their true colors and showing what side of the line they're on. It's just, it's just really like making it plain. So I, I even, I read a story about this teacher out in California. Um, actually, she's not a teacher; she was a principal. Uh, Ronnie Burns Ellis, who posted a photo of a cut-up Nike T-shirt alongside her message. She goes, "Quote the newest rag." She said, "When Nike signs an anti-American thug to represent their brand, I will not support, wear, purchase, or endorse their product." Bye, bye, Nike. This is a principal out in Cal, a, a school in California. So, mm-hmm. of course, they all up in arms. You know, signing petitions. They need to get an ass out of there because that person does not need to. Or, or having any sort of authority over your children. But funny enough, this happens all the time. Like these are the people that are that are in place that feel feel this way, calling this man um, an anti-American thug when he did the most American thing you right. can do. And you know, at a, at a game, they could have done that's American as well. Take the Nike gear that you don't want and give it to the vets. Give it. You to know what I'm saying? Donate. Just, why are you cutting up? And you're cutting up your own money. You already bought it. So what Stupid are you doing? Ass. You think they care? <laughs> I'm like, what kind of protest is that? I'm telling you. Uh, but I just, I, I love, you know, obviously, and then Trump, you know, with his 20, what is it? Um, number 45 with his stupid ass. He goes, Nike's getting killed with the anger and the boycotts. Like, what are you talking about? What are you, just, just shut up. It's so uh, presidential. <laughs> he's like the, the complete opposite of, of, of what a president should be regardless of whether your political views are he's just not presidential at all no no coups no no anything that is admirable no morals mm-hmm. um no discern just just ugh, ugh. ah but bring it anyway but colin i am just yeah, I just, you know, but no words just cannot express, you know, and I'm just, I'm so thankful that, that they did it. Like, fuck yeah. Really the Muhammad of this time, of our time. Can you believe it? He sacrificed his career and it wasn't like a career. He wasn't working at McDonald's. He wasn't working at, like, <laughs> making millions. Not, not, I'm not. And he didn't even, Trump, so like, he didn't even get to make that money, that much money in the NFL. Like, he didn't play, but for so long. I'm not shaming people who work at McDonald's. I just want to. I just want to put that. Mm-hmm. In. Yeah, you better better clear that up. <laughs> be, I will be after you. But you know what I'm saying? Like he had a lot to lose. You know. Yep. In, in yep. Current revenue and and uh, future pay. You know, a lot to lose, and he he put it all on the line. And I commend him. Absolutely. I I stand with Colin Kaepernick. We we Nike out, and it was you know I had a I had a little monumental moment here in my home because I I sat down and I had to explain to my son who Colin Kaepernick was, what he did, and why he did it. It was it was just such a great conversation, you know, going through the pictures and and just explaining how great this was. I it, it was such a bonding moment, and you know I felt the little activist 
in in my son, you know, rise up like <laughs> I'm like this is this is great. So I just all all commend commend and commendations all around. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay, moving on. Where are we? Uh where are we at? We are at the weekend D report. Yes. Can we just say how much of an extended weekend this has been for 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 the both of us? I mean, before before we jump in the week, because weekend D is usually about um, it's about catch up on you know catching up on all all the dick we be getting. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Um, Okay, I'll save it. Go ahead. Go ahead. What's the what's the weekend? Be? You want to run down your uh, your weekend? Well, I think it ties into the um reminisce moment. So I'll 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 wait. Okay. I dig- uh, I digress. I'm sorry. No, I really wanted to address um this the situation that happened at Aretha Franklin's uh funeral. Um she had I guess it was last Friday. <coughs> sorry. Mm-hmm. Last Friday she had an epic marathon of a funeral. That that was I think it was like Eight nine hours. It was it was a whole work. It was a whole work shift with overtime. <laughs> it was, man, it was incredible. And I, I actually tuned in maybe like the first hour. Yeah, me too. I, I knew I couldn't sit through this whole thing. I don't. I don't even like going to real funerals. But I um, you know, I want to sit through. I actually watched Whitney's funeral. Um, I did. I watched the whole thing. Yeah, hers wasn't it. It was like five hours, four yeah, hours. Something like that. But um, so anyway. So, you know, Aretha Franklin, she had speakers there. She had people from the entertainment industry, singers, um, performed. And one of the selected singers was Ariana Grande, which I'm really confused on how they choose people to, to perform. Because she performed and also, uh, what's that country music singer? Um, I don't know. I can't think of her name, but I just don't know why they pick these people. But anyway, so they pick Ariana Grande. And she came out. And, you know, she's a cute little girl. She's like a... She, She's probably like 30, but she looks like she's 15. A little tiny. <laughs> um, <laughs> she's probably 45. Um, she's, a, she's a really cute girl, but she has a really, uh, really young girl face. But anyway, she came out and it was a, a cute dress, very cute dress. She looked yeah. But it was low cut and it was, um, the dress was really short and she wore it to a black church. So somebody in her camp just wasn't familiar with the culture of black church. You don't wear it at the church. But anyway, she wore it. She came out and she sang her song. And I'm watching her, the clip of her singing. And I'm looking at the panel of men sitting behind her, the, the fucking grossest men. It mm-hmm. was Jackson, it was uh, Bill Clinton, and it was Al Sharpton. Girl, they mm-hmm. gross to me. And Bill was so obvious in his oogling her. Like he mm-hmm. sleep the entire <laughs> entire funeral and then she came out and he couldn't stop smiling he's looking at her up, he's to him up. oh my god it was just this because he's old and she looks like she's 12 and he's 80 years old clearly yeah so um so after she performed uh one of the 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 bishops or the reverends who was actually facilitating the um the funeral he pulled her up and was you know kind of talking to her on the podium and he hugged her, but his hand kind of was like groping the side of her breast. And you can tell she was very uncomfortable because I would have been uncomfortable. And it's like, what can you do in a situation like that where you're on a platform in a church, on a platform, plus this is also being televised. You can tell she was clearly, you know, she was clearly uncomfortable. 
So and that that ignited a lot of discussion about rape culture and about you know different things that happen to women in our society that we kind of like don't really address. It's really inappropriate. Um, it puts us in danger. It, mm-hmm. it invades our space, our privacy, our bodies, and it's just accepted. You know, this is a patriarchy uh, society, and a lot of stuff that these men do, you know, it's really disrespectful to us. So I just kind of want to talk about what rape culture is and what it means and what we can do to kind of prevent it and stop it, you know? Can I say that um, I like how you turned our weekend dick report into the woke minute, but okay, I'm with it. I ride with you. (laughs) So, you know, I did a a quick search about rape culture, so I'm just going to kind of go over these points. So rape culture is a sociological concept for setting Um, for a setting in which rape is pervasive and normalized due to societal attitudes about gender and sexuality. Behaviors um, commonly associated with rape culture include victim blaming, slut shaming, sexual objectification, trivializing rape, denial of widespread rape, refusing to acknowledge the harm caused by the forms of sexual violence or some combination of these. The notion of rape culture has been used to describe and explain behavior within social groups, including prison rape, and also in conflict areas of war rape. Um, It's used as psychological warfare. Entire societies have been alleged to be rape cultures. Uh, You remember um, maybe a a few years ago where all those um, Nigerian girls were kidnapped? Yep. What was the name of that group that took him? It starts with a B. Um, Mo, Mo, oh, uh, but oh, I'll, I'll think of it. Yeah. Um, so they took, they, they kidnapped these girls and they've had, they had these girls, I know, for over a year. And when the girls started, finally started coming back and they were releasing. Boko Haram. Boko Haram, yeah. Mm-hmm. So when they started releasing these girls or these girls were being, um, you know, uh, people were coming and taking them and, and bringing them back to their society, these girls were pregnant. Yeah. So they, you know, they took these girls, put them in these camps and just were raping them. And then these girls are coming back with these, these kids, you know, pregnant. Mm. With yep. So, um, so yeah, so I just kind of want to talk about that. And what do you, what do you think about that? Um, you know, I, one day I'll share a story where I've, I've, you know, I've been subjected to this in a workplace, um, too heavy for right now, but, um, I remember, and I, I think I've told you this before, there was one time I went, I used to come down to Miami for, um, you know, it was like Memorial Day, this was before, it, it got way out of hand. But remember, it was it was a time where, you know, guys used to try to touch your butt or, you know, little slick stuff. And when you rebuffed the, the dude, you know, they'd call you a B or call, you know, call you out your name. I feel like there was a period of time growing up when that was like very prevalent. And I remember coming down here one for Memorial Day and, you know, we're just kind of sitting outside of the hotel, me and me and my friends. And it was a girl that, you know, she had on, you know, like a tube dress or whatever. And she's walking in the street because it's, it's a, you know, everybody's there. It's Memorial Day. Everybody's partying. And a guy, clearly he tried to talk to her and he might have grabbed her hand and she, you know, kind of like smacked his hand away. Mm-hmm. And he became so indignant, you know, calling her all kind of bees and, you know, bitch this, bitch that. And a mob started following her and her friends down the street. 
And by the time she got to the end of the street, and I'm, you know, we're all sitting on the side, I'm watching. By the time she got to the end of the street, they had, that crowd had stripped her naked. She didn't have any clothes on at all. No bra, no panties, no nothing. They ripped everything off of her because she rebuffed the advances of this really belligerent dude. And I just remember feeling, you know, like we're all watching this, like, what do you do? Because there were police there and they try to like control the crowd but by then it was it was too late she was standing there naked and somebody you know had to come this guy took off his shirt you know to cover her up but i just remember feeling like this this is this is what we do yeah. this is this is what you know this is what this is what we do and it was and it was it was kind of like normalized i don't remember anybody being arrested it was more just like you know settling down the mob it was a mob of men of of boys and men doing that um, and it was just so sickening. Like, this is, this is what our society, this is what we do. Yeah. Um, and it, I felt so helpless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, back in the nineties, that is what it was. Cause remember, I never really got a chance to go to Freaknik, but I've seen videos and I've heard mm-hmm. red stories. I used to go, I used to go all the time. And, and it was, that's why I'm saying like, it was, I hate to say that that was normal. Mm-hmm. But it was going on, you know. It was normal because think during that time you had like two live crew. They were very sexual. Remember that um, that yep. with um, I think it was Dre. Ain't nothing but a G thing. When they where they were outside and they at a cookout and the girl they sprayed her with um. No, this is two different two different scenes. So one girl mm-hmm. she's playing volley. They're all playing volleyball and somebody yeah. behind her and open somebody open touch her. I remember that. And then the other, um, I don't know if this is the same video, but they were inside a club and the girl to them didn't want to be bothered with whomever. And so they all came and sprayed her with like with alcohol, with champagne. Yeah. You know, as and I, I look back, looking at that back then, I didn't realize the implications of it. I'm looking at it as, oh, this is not necessarily funny, but this is just something that just it just happened. You know, I, mm-hmm. I don't I don't think it really affected me how it should have affected me. You know, now looking back as an adult and more mature, like that's fucked up. And these are like artists that we support. And I, think- I remember that. Yeah, I, re- I, I feel like that was a Tupac video. It, it well, was we talk about, um, you know, we talk about how much we love hip hop and love the culture. But to be a woman and to be a lover of hip hop, it's really like you live in a dual life. Because on one end, I feel like I'm a womanist and I, I fight for the rights of, of black women, more so than women in general. Mm-hmm. You know, be strong and to be respected and, and to get what we deserve. But on the other hand, I fucking love, I like the music and a lot of yeah. it is misogynistic, you know? A, a lot of it. It's like most of it. I mean, and, and you know, I, it's the same thing that, I, you know, I feel because I'm such a lover of hip hop, but at the same time, it's like, man, you got to reconcile that that shit is does not, does not cherish and hold up the black woman nine times out of ten. It's, it's, it doesn't, and you know that's what the kind of tie in what we talked about before. I think that's what this whole thing between Nas and Khalid is so fucking hurtful to me, is because he's one of these artists. Even though you know he does say you know call women bitches, but for the most part, he's pretty woke and conscious in his music, and he's always been really consistent in that with his music since the, since he first mm-hmm. came out. And so I kind of had this. Um, I don't want to say I put him on a pedestal because I, I did. Did I? I you did know. a little bit because you knocked you knocked him down for a minute with. 
shit was fresh. <laughs> like, I was hurt. I was like, that nigga's a fuck boy. But um, but you know, we we're and hopefully he's learned from that. But you know, that's what that's why that really hurt me. Let me get my thoughts together. That's why that really mm-hmm. hurt me because I put him in a different category than a regular rapper. Yeah. Rap. yeah. But like- seeing, I, but I also believe that you know, even those that are what you say, quote unquote, in a different category, mm-hmm. they have a different view of women too. Where it may not necessarily be about disrespecting her, but it's also not valuing her as an equal either. Right, of course. So it's 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 a it's another side to that too. You know, like he may not be out here actively, you know, calling her bitches and disrespecting her and. You know, but she still looked at as less than. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, it, so, and you know, I mean, that just it, it it all points to the psychology and you know upbringing and how we value ourselves. Because I mean, you can't you can't love and appreciate a black woman if you don't love and appreciate yourself. That's bottom. That's that's one. So a lot of times you see these you know hurt little boys and you know black men you know men portraying themselves as as men but they're not really because they're little boys you know with that mentality and you know there's there's no self love I'm such a believer in that your mental health your the love of self is first and foremost and so a lot of times when you hear you know you know these men you calling you calling her a bitch you calling this is like this is this is a woman just like your mother that that brought you to this earth that gave you life, but but that's how much you, you think of her is she's less than you because you're less than what you, you're less you you devalue yourself. It's 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 cyclical. It's like you cannot you can't put down that woman without putting yourself down, but but it happens. Yeah. You know, you know, when I was reading through Nas's little um rant, um he said that he got with Khalees after his mother died. So the fake yeah. Fake psychologist that I am, I'm like, <laughs> so, was, was she replacing your mother? Were you looking for a, a, someone to take care of you and 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 be that mother figure that you just lost? Right, which is not not the worst thing in the world if that's what he was searching for. But yeah, I think that's it's very <laughs> no, it, it, it's not the worst thing. But definitely, I don't want to. I'm not your mother. I don't want to be nobody's mother though, right? And that's what he's, you know, like, oh, you still, not. you still got growing up to do, mm-hmm. but yep. you search. Girl, we can sit here and break that down all day. Okay, so thank you for making our weekend D report. You're welcome. <laughs> weekend woke report. <laughs> well, okay, so are we at the reminisce? I reminisce, I reminisce. Are we at the reminisce moment? Yeah, we're at the reminisce. Yay. Okay, so let me just preface this. So this past weekend, really like this past eight days of my life, I felt like I felt like I have lived a lifetime in these past days. I had, look, you know, when when Michael Jackson says, don't stop till you get enough, <laughs> bitch, I had to stop. Because <laughs> bitch, a bitch had enough. <laughs> I had the best couple, I just I just had the best week in in my life. It was like old school. There was a there was a time when Sean was like, I was all, you know, I I was I was I was in New York, I was working at the World Trade Center, and I would go out every single night and have to go to work <laughs> you have to be there like 8 30 in the morning and i literally never slept like i was always out because you know there was a time in new york everything happened you sleep on the weekends everything happened during the week mm-hmm. and you know we were known as like the break day crew because we broke day mm-hmm. but you know you get older and you know responsibilities you can't do that shit anymore like that was 20 so i will say i had a week of 
reliving Sean from in, in my twenties. It was just I had the best time. So anyway, I had some friends come down from from high school, and we went to the on the run tour in Miami. So you know the whole Bay and Jay. Did I ever tell you like I had a little fling with Jay Z long time ago, and he oh, was yeah. like. Yeah. yeah, he was like all about his money, and you know, we we actually we like we met up in the Bahamas. It was it was it was it was, it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was he was very much. I think this was like before the whole reasonable doubt uh, came out, and you know, he was he was he's he was about his money. He wasn't about nothing else. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, um, so the concert was really really good. Um, it also showed me that I am I love Beyonce, but I will say this. She took every opportunity she could to throw him under the motherfucking bus. <laughs> you know, like, just think of her repertoire, how many songs she has. Mm-hmm. You know, whether she's like, you know, to the left, to the left, or if she's like, I ain't sorry. And then, you know, Jay would come back and he'd be like, can I get an encore to you want more? He has no songs. You know, really, it's, it, he doesn't have too many songs where you know, like, okay, it's about her. Uh-huh. You know, he talks about his cheating or whatever. So I just thought it was funny because I'm like, if she if she gonna come out here with another song, throwing this man under the bus, and he just happy come on the stage and, <laughs> it and then go back. I'm happy to be here because that almost didn't happen. <laughs> that's how I look like. She over there like, who the fuck do you think I am? And he's like, <laughs> ain't got no comeback. It was hard. It was that was a little hard for me. Like, goddamn. She ain't gonna let him go. So anyway, um, my this reminisce is about the song I know. He actually did not do this song at the concert, but it is one of I have a you know pretty much I have many favorite Jay Z songs, but this is one of my favorites. It's a 2000. He did the 2007. It's a song off American Gangster, which was actually his tenth album. It was produced by Pharrell. Um, if you remember the video, Zoe Kravitz was in the video, and she's like a girl in New York, and she has all these different experiences, you know, in New York City, which was reminiscent for me. Um, but it was also a video where Jay Z was not in it, so it was just like the song. So it, this song, to me, it's it's about love. Obviously, it's about love being a drug. It's also about music. So there's a lot of double entendres, a lot of metaphors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it, it starts off, you know, she want that old thing back. Uh, 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 she want those heroin tracks. It, it just, this to me is like Jay-Z on his poet shit. Mm-hmm. You know, talking about the addiction, the love addiction. And it's very vulnerable. So this this was my song. I, I can play this song right now. It makes me happy. I have songs that make me happy. This is one of them. So what do you think? Oh. <laughs> Do you remember the song? I know. I know. I know. <laughs> Got your song? Okay. It's all right. I remember the song. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, it was it was one of my favorites. Like I said, it was, you know, that that feeling of love when it feel like an addiction and you got an itch. <laughs> your nose is wide open and it's dripping. I want to get back to that love feeling where I just want to see this person. Me too, girl. Like, you want to be high off that shit. Like, yeah. man, I'm going to so much. And every time, you know, you always get on me when, when I say he's not my type. It's because I'm searching for that, that high. You know what I'm saying? Yes, that's the heroin track. 
You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't want to waste my time if I can't get that high. I need that person that's going to give me that high. So I feel you. You know, now I understand you just a bit. I understand that. Mm-hmm. I wish you had. Now I get it. I totally get it. And that's why you say what you say. Because I, do you know how many times I'm like, what do you mean? You, He's such a nice guy, but he's not my type. Because it's like, and I always say this, like you can, you can have what you want and you can write down what you want in a person and put it on paper and you can meet that person that has everything you want on paper, but that chemistry is not there. And that's something you just can't create. It's something that just happens, you know? Agreed. I have met people where I, like the minute I saw that, I'm like, it's like a magnet and I just want to leave them. And I want that feeling again. Like I just, I can't just, I can't, you can't create it. You know what I mean? I, now I get it. Now I understand you. This is like epiphany. This this means so much. <laughs> like I know, and I just what I just shared with you. Like recently, I had that just mm-hmm. that magnet, that feeling where it's just like, you and know it, what? I can't even keep myself together. You know what? I, I had the experience, and it's like you touch that person, and like your whole body just fucking tingles. It's like, girl, I want that. I want that feeling back. I want it back, and I'm searching for that shit. I'm searching. For and it. I'm over here thinking Jay Z, and I know, and I know, I know, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yep. Ooh, okay, yeah. So I, that that song really touched me very even to this day because now you've explained it. I, I know exactly what you're talking about, and maybe you know that's I want that too. I want it too. Yeah, yeah. We all want it. We all. <laughs> your body shaking, try to free it of me, yeah. and your soul is in control, trying to lead it from me, and your heart no longer pledge allegiance to me. Damn, I'm missing the days when you needed the D. Woo! <laughs> 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 Ooh, I'm hot over here. All right. Okay. Mm. So that's my reminisce. All right. That was a good reminisce. That was a yes. good reminisce. All right. Moving on. Where we at? Where we at? Where we oh, at? Wait. I, you know what? I've never seen Jay-Z in concert. What? I've never. No, I, I'm lying. Remember Ooh. when I was working at the radio station? I did go that one time. Remember we got tickets and we sell them the front row? Right. Didn't we? Wait. Right, because I, I went, I've seen him plenty of times, but I feel like I, me and you went to see him. Yeah, we. Um, that's when I used to work at the radio station. We had an extra set of tickets, and they were like front row tickets, and <laughs> we saw. <laughs> and my coworkers were like, "Bitch, another tickets ain't for you." Them <laughs> 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 tickets ain't for you. <laughs> that was a good time. Well, we had some good times. I was thinking. Wait, I was thinking the other day, just uh, real quick before we get into the support black businesses. Do you remember that time we went to that party? I feel like it was in Baltimore, and they started shooting, and we had to leave out the fire escape. The one that had one door in that party. <laughs> it was a fire hazard, amongst other things. That was, that was the scariest shit ever because you know I've never really party with the local Baltimore. You know the local Baltimore. Uh huh. Never did it. So, girl, we went to this, and it, the music we, we had a good time. Like the music was good, but the yep. whole, I'm looking around like, okay, something happened. Where the fuck am I gonna get out of here? Because I don't see nobody's faces. It's dark as shit in there. <laughs> they had mirrors to make it look big, but I was like, oh shit, that's a wall. It's tiny as shit in here. Yeah. We were in some. We were basically in somebody's living room because yeah. it was in a um, it was in a building. And if you know anything about Baltimore, Baltimore gets it popping at any minute. <laughs> I just remember that shimmying down the fire escape with some heels on. Girl, mm-hmm. I just remember that like, 
that's we, we was together. By the skin of our teeth. Thank God we're here. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. So we have support black businesses. So this is a segment of the show where we highlight a black business. We believe in growing our economy and strengthening our communities and desire to build awareness of products and services made by us for us. Yes, yes, so, yes. Yes. This week's spotlight spotlight is the lip bar, a custom made line of vegan lipsticks created by 32 year old Melissa Butler. Yes, girl. Yeah. A few years ago, um, back in 2015, she appeared on Shark Tank. And she was literally laughed out the room. It's it's really hard to watch that clip because they gave her like no kind of fucking respect. I, rem- I uh, saw it. One of the, the, the panelists, Shark Tanker, uh, Kevin O'Leary um, said in the episode, the chances of this business are practically zero. You only have so many minutes on earth. Don't waste them selling, trying to sell lipstick. He Bitch. also called them colorful cockroaches. Bitch. He literally said that. Mm. Uh, but she was like, you know what? Fuck you, motherfucker. I'm moving mm-hmm. on. So she has since found success through another sales platform, which is Target. Amen. Uh, yes. So you can find her lipsticks. And it, she has all kind of color lipsticks. She has this real, this purple one. I don't know the exact name of it, but it's beautiful. Um, but you can find the, lips, the lipsticks in Target stores, on their website, and also the company website. Um, thelipbar.com and then you can also go on their Instagram um, at instagram.com backslash thelipbar yay oh I love it I I actually I've I've heard that story before and I I remember them being called it was it was I guess her and a partner called colorful cockroaches but look look who look who had the ultimate clap back I love it right he he don't know nothing about makeup and what we want who who said you know how they be doing at night in their house <laughs> in the privacy of their home i don't even put i don't even put it past anyway um all right so we've come to the end my friends we're yeah. here so you can subscribe to that's what i'm saying the podcast we're in the apple podcast app google play our heart radio soundcloud spreaker and stitcher and Caspod, which is uber convenient you can follow us on facebook instagram and twitter we're on that which that's what i say three you can visit that's what i'm saying podcast.com to learn more send us questions especially for the dick weekend d report and comments and i who do we always shout out with the love that we got all up inside of us Yes, we have to shout out Vegas World Inc. Um, if you go on his social media, he's been vacationing it up. I am not mad. Him and his boo out there boo loving down in Florida. So yeah, we want to thank you. Say, so say holla at a girl, but it's all good. Say what? They ain't even come and holla at me. You know what I'm saying? All right. All right, Vegas. That's right, because I, I was over here living my best life. You know <laughs> <a> lot. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, but you can find him on Instagram. You can find him on Twitter. Um, thank you all so much for listening, subscribing, and liking us on social media. Until next week. Take care, y'all. Peace.